Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, welcome back to the show today. We are talking about reformational themes since it is Reformation Month. The 31st of this month is not Halloween. It is Reformation Day, and we have a special guest in the studio with us today, Pastor Alan Burrow. Where do you pastor at, brother? At the King's Congregation. I actually at, didn't know that. I was just, yeah. you know, setting up for a you're, question. You're queuing me up there, <laughs> teeing me up. Yeah, it's close, uh, just off of Victory Road, close to Locust Grove. Yeah, and what's, what's your website? Uh, thekingscongregation.com. Perfect. And you, Kingkong.com. King. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. And you are one of the founding members of the Reformation Alliance, still an active member in the Reformation an Alliance, because I got corrected yesterday by my co-host. You wanted to say something, I could tell, before we jumped I, into it. Just to throw out there, this is not something that I'm, I'm trying to bind your conscience, because the Westminster Confession would not allow me to bind your conscience on, on anything like this. However... One of the things that we do as a family during Reformation Month, October, is we pause our normal devotional schedule that we use, and we take the opportunity to go back and read um, history, um, biographies, um, and and such, just so that our kids um, have kind of a working knowledge of of important people and events and theological truths from the Reformation. And so I would encourage you to maybe look into that. Um, Simonetta Carr has some wonderful biographies of people from that time period. Um, Reformation Heroes is mm-hmm. is one that we've gone back to time and time again by, by Dr. Beakey. Um, but I would just encourage you to, and there, there's other ones. Stephen, uh, Steve Nichols wrote um, Reformation ABCs. Bible History ABCs. There's just resources, and those are for younger ages. There's wonderful resources out there that would help your kids um, just know some of this this church history that I think is important even for the, the, the present. Well, part of the case that we're making is that the Reformation still matters today, and we'll, we'll get to that. Okay, so we talked a little bit about the beginnings of uh, the Reformation yesterday, and uh, how did Rome respond to all of this. So Luther nailed his 95 theses. Eventually, he got his bull of excommunication. He then, I think if I'm getting it right chronologically, he then went to the Diet of of Worms. So how did Rome generally respond to the the Protestant Reformation? And if I could just point out one little thing here. It's like uh, Russ uh, last time was talking about the Diet of Worms and, and Luther refusing to recant. And he said at that moment that his conscience was captive to the Word of God, that if he could be shown from Scripture that he was wrong, he would be happy to recant, but otherwise he would not recant, which really pointed to the ultimate issue that was driving everything at that time is what is the ultimate authority. And that's how Christ ended, you know, the, the Sermon on the Mount basically saying there's only two foundations for life. One is Christ and his word, that's the rock, and the other one is 
anything else. Which is the sand. It's not going to stand up to the storms of life. Um, and so that's what was at issue in the Reformation. And it's the same thing that is at issue in all the convulsions in our culture right now. Absolutely. And this is why the Reformation, after 500 years, is still highly relevant today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay, so I think you asked the question, how did the Catholic Church respond? I did, And yes. so the Catholic Church responded in two veins. One is the Catholic Reformation in which they dealt with some of the abuses that were happening um, within the church, the, the abuse of authority, the abuse of, of, of with regard to um, office holding, the immorality, the, 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 I can't think of the word where the priest can't um, read the... Um, the illiteracy. Illiter- illiteracy. So <laughs> right. they dealt with all of that. <laughs> yeah, you're not illiterate. I know. Uh, <laughs> you, you wonder, don't you? I'm going to have trouble defending that I'm not. That's what makes Russ such a good pastor. He's illustrating the problem. Yes, <laughs> exactly. He's talking Thank you. about Thank it. Thank you, yes. Alan. Now you, Alan can always come back. Um, and then they dealt with the theological concerns of the Protestants in the Catholic Counter-Reformation, yeah. which culminates in the Council of Trent. And what basically they do is they say, we are not wrong on any of these theological challenges, and they they put in writing that they are, in essence, um, saying that the Protestants are heretics and are to be damned yeah. um, because of what they're teaching, and they they publicly denounce all of the theological challenges of the Protestants, um, and and actually the the Catholic Church has not moved from that position of the Council of Trent ever since. Yeah. Oh, well, let's just let's just dive in right there. Then, what were the the main doctrines that were in dispute between Rome and the Protestants? Because it's been my experience that that uh, most many evangelicals that I come into contact with think that the main differences between us and Rome are things like praying to Mary or, or purgatory. Um, is that the case? Are those, are those the main differences? The ultimate authority. Is it Scripture or is it uh, the Pope being equally authoritative, which was the position of the Church of Rome? Um, essentially, there was already a standoff between the popes and various kings of that day. And so for some centuries, what had really been ruling the day was some kind of a theory of divine right, where somebody could say what I say, God says. So you had kings in that day who said that they ruled by divine right. What the king says, God says. Pope was saying the same thing. He was saying what the pope says, God says. The Protestants were going back to Scripture, and based Mm -hmm. on Scripture were saying, no, there is no individual person, there is no parliament, there is no Supreme Court that can say what I say or what we say, God says. Rather, it is what Scripture says, God says, because Scripture is the Word of God. That's what Scripture claims for itself. And if you even look back into the Old Testament, if you look at the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 17, the rule for kings, the king had to write out the book of the covenant, the book of Deuteronomy, in his own hand, and read it all the days of his life, lest he lift up his heart above his brethren, lest he multiply wives, lest he multiply gold, lest he multiply uh, horses, uh, weapons of war. In other words, the king was underneath the word of God. The high priest was underneath the word of God. 
all human authority was underneath the Word of God. The Protestants were trying to return to that vision. So what um, Alan is talking about became known as, as sola scriptura or, or scripture alone, which would, they would say is the, the formal cause of the Reformation. Where does authority come from? Which then led to what is often referred to as the material cause of the Reformation, which is the issue of justification. Yeah. How one is right before God. And that deals with the other three more of the solas mm-hmm. that were saved by grace alone, um, through faith alone, in Christ alone. So sola gratia, sola fide, and solus Christus. And then ultimately, all of this is under the umbrella of this is to be for the glory of God alone. That now, if, Rome wouldn't. I, 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 can I ask a question right there? Because Rome. So, so you were going to say sola deo glory. Sorry, yep, I cut you nope, off. Yeah, but I was thinking like five steps ahead. You were just talking way too slow. Um, <laughs> you're playing checkers. He's playing chess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, on the issue of sola deo gloria, um, Rome wouldn't have argued, right? That that uh, all things should be done for the glory of God alone. They just their theology didn't lend itself to that, correct? But if you begin to unpack the other four, if you say that Scripture's not the sole authority, but the sole authority rests with Scripture and the the Pope, and if you begin to say justification is not the one-sided work of God alone, but it's the work of God and man, then you've already undermined the the belief of sola deo gloria and then that's what paul argues in first corinthians 1 where he says it's because of him that you are in christ jesus so therefore let anyone who boasts boast in the lord so i i totally agree with that they wouldn't have argued though that all glory needs to go to god alone they just didn't see that their, their theological system undercut it that's correct okay and the good news is in the broadcasts that are coming in the next week or so we're going to unpack all of these solas so the reason why we're not saying more about them right now is because we're that's where we're going. We're holding fire for the days to come. Well, then let's maybe give a little bit of a a, a teaser. So this was a a massive event in church. So let's just quickly in the last couple of minutes that we have, how did the Reformation affect the church? How did it affect education? How did it affect care for the poor, hospitals, orphanages, marriage, the economy, civil governments, vocation? How did, did the did the Reformation affect all these things and how? Well, it, you know, and this again gets into the, the relevance for today because we need for God to work a new revival, a new Reformation desperately in our culture. We need for God to essentially jack up our culture in the air and pour a new foundation underneath it, the foundation of Christ and his word. The last time in history that God did that on a massive scale that covered multiple countries and cultures was the Protestant Reformation. And so the Bible is always giving us hope for what God will do today or in the future, pointing back to what he has already done in the past. And so that's why we look back to this, not that we can bow at their feet or worship the Reformation, but because that's the last time God acted through ordinary Christians on that kind of scale to just literally put a new foundation down and just change all of life. We look upon it today, or we tend to look upon it as a religious movement, and when we use the word religious today, we tend to use it in a very narrow way, a very little churchy way of theology. 
It was a reformation of all of life. It changed all of life. It changed the way they looked at marriage. It changed, you know, previously the Church of Rome had elevated celibacy, was more holy than marriage and children. Um, the, the, so a priest was more holy than a farmer. Or, so touching on vocation. Right, whereas it, it changed their view of all of life. Every vocation was equally holy because they're all created by God. He calls people into all of these. Marriage and children are, are holy. And so it produced this kind of a, an exuberance. It was almost like Christmas with all these presents. People are looking everywhere in life and in the little things of life, the mundane things of life. They found wonder and joy because they saw it was all part. God was redeeming it all. Mm. And that's, that's really comes to the heart of where we're going to go here in the next little bit about sola scriptura or, or scripture alone. Um, and one of the tenets of that is the sufficiency of the Word of God. And part of that is dealing with the idea that God's Word does provide what we need, not only for salvation, but it provides what we need for a godly life. And so it was it was transforming their their thoughts about, okay, what does this mean for how we care for the, for the poor of our society? Well, the Word of God speaks to that. Um, how do, what does this mean with regard to relationships within the home? Well, the Word of God speaks to that. Yeah. How does this, how does, what does this mean with regard to how I approach my vocation or my work? The Word of God speaks to this. Yeah. And what had happened was that the Word of God had been held captive by the Church of Rome. And with the Reformation and getting this into the vernacular, getting it into, into the language of the people, it unleashed the Word of God as it should be. It's a power that transforms every aspect of our life yes and when you hold up the word of god and say by this word and by god's spirit um that is powerful and what you found in 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 europe at that time is that power came as a wave across society and just really touched everything amen well we will continue this series tomorrow we'll see you next time 